You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. Attitudes and those perspectives and those dispositions are all coming because we have experienced something rather traumatic, either very short term or possibly long term. And it is very difficult for them for us to find joy, certainly in that moment, but even beyond that, when we've gotten over that in a, in, on the timeline, so to speak, it's still challenging for us to be able to experience joy or to incorporate joy into our lives. Throughout the book of Philippians here, Paul has been giving us these exhortations. Uh, these are his efforts, if you will, to just encourage us to sort of a joyful life. And oftentimes throughout the passages that we've read over the last few weeks, uh, he's been drawing from his own experiences. Paul speaks to us of his joy that he has in the Lord. And, and he has shown us in these passages how that we can rejoice in situations where many of us uh, would probably be surprised to find joy. If, if you told me about some of your situations, I would be surprised at how you found joy in that. If I told you about some of mine, and, and I might just actually get a little transparent today and talk to you for just a minute about my situations, okay? But it might surprise you of how and where I would find joy in some of the adversities of my life. Now, all of our adversities could be very different and, and they could be very buried in lots of different ways. But joy is a common denominator. Joy is a, a common piece to our lives, or should be, that we appropriate from the Lord. And Paul is trying to help us to see that. And, and he talks about this in the, in the places of us like loving God's people, uh, in the places of like knowing what our purpose is, uh, in, in the places of like fighting for what's right and, and good and, and, and just. He talks about it in the areas of serving other people. Um, and, and he talks about it in the life that has been made possible through Christ for each of us. And that is that he came as our rescuer to rescue us out of our place of sin and, and out of what we could not do for ourselves. He came and did for us uh, on the cross to save us from our sins. And so in all of these places, Paul is talking about this kind of stuff, and, and he's talking about joy. Um, but now here in this passage in Philippians 4, Paul is, it, 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 he, he brings this exhortation sort of to a close, and, and, and he's appealing to us in this end of the book of Philippians. Um, and, and it's like one more last time he's saying, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord, he says, all right? So this, this, is, this is what he's saying, and he's said it before, but this time he adds one very significant word that we haven't heard in the prior passages in Philippians. He says, rejoice. I say rejoice, and then he says it, always. Now, I was good until that point. But life doesn't flow in such a way that I find myself always easily rejoicing. My rejoicing, my joy ebbs and flows with my life. It comes and goes as adversities rise and fall in my life. And they don't have to be big things. I am a sissy. It doesn't take a lot sometimes. All right, I can go down that path. 
of being void of joy very quickly if I so choose to. And I think a lot of you can as well. And that's so contrary to everything that Paul is saying to us and the life that God has promised us and what Jesus has declared that he himself has come to give us. He said, I came to give you life and that life in abundance. In other words, that life flourishing, that life in a very wonderful way where you grow and you mature and you transform and and you serve and you reach out and you help and, and you give and all of these kinds of things. And so Paul here is saying, I want you to hear me. I'm saying, rejoice. And, and I'm going to say it again, he says, rejoice. Do this always. And then he goes right into some exhortation for us. Uh, and this is an amazing verse that I really just have. A, I, I have a lot of. Um, trepidation about. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. You know, I can walk with anyone for a while. I love justice. I seek for mercy. I, I want all of these spiritual attributes in my life. I want the balance in my life, I want to be able to look at everyone, whether that's a day with my wife and we're just together because we really see each other's warts more than we see anyone else's and more than we let anyone else see ours. So we see each other that way, okay? But I want to be able to walk with Yvette in her place of adversity or struggle and, and try to understand that. I want to do that with Roy. I want to do that with Jen. I want to do that with each of you. Where, where we are walking together and we are gracing one another and we're showing mercy and gentleness with one another and we're long-suffering with each other and we're continuing with each other. And this sense of community says, I'm with you. Even if I don't like some of the things you're doing or I don't understand some of the things about you, I'm going to stay with you because I'm in this with you. I'm in community with you. And so I'm, I'm hanging in there through all of this. And so I want to be back. And I want to have this sort of, as he calls it here, this reasonableness. And I want it to be known. I want when people think about Pastor Bill that they say, you know, he's a pretty balanced guy. And you know what? I want to be able to say that about you as well. And I want us to be able to live that way within community with one another. Let us be known by everyone that we are in this place of living a very balanced and gracious and open and caring and receiving life with one another. And Paul says we can do it. Paul is advocating here from this passage that this is the way we are supposed to live. And so as we unpack this here for just a few minutes, I want to help you. I, I, I want you and I to be honest. I want us to be forthright that there are some things that we don't like. There are some things that annoy us, all this kind of stuff. There are some things that bother us, and life gets hard sometimes, and it's difficult, and, and life is about choices, and sometimes we make bad choices. But at the end of the day, the reality is that God has made a way for us to live out this joyful life. 
and can we begin to, to, to pattern our lives and can we begin to make the necessary changes and, and uh, can we begin to recalibrate in such a way and transition over into a life filled with joy as opposed to a life that is filled with fear and anxiety and those kinds of things. So that's where I want to take you this morning. Now, let me start out, because we're talking about joy. Let me talk for just a minute. Let me identify some things that will rob you of joy, all right? Because I, I think that's important here. Now, Paul isn't doing that. He's really, he's really being very positive here in this message about us rejoicing. He's saying you need to rejoice in the Lord always, all right? You don't rejoice in everything in the earth, but your rejoicing is in the Lord, okay? And, and then he says, here's the thing about this place of rejoicing, you can do it. Now, he doesn't say that literally in the passage, but here's what he says. The Lord is at hand. In other words, rejoice. I'm going to say it again. Rejoice. Do it always. Let this sense of reasonableness be evident to those around you. And here's how you do that. You understand that the Lord is at hand. He's with you. He is present to you, all right? Now, that is different, guys, than just a mindset that the Lord is present. Because you know what you'll do? And the enemy will help you do it. The enemy will actually work at you doing, and that is for you to somehow, in some, some sort of crazy thinking way, to set yourself outside of that reality of the presence of God. It's like God is present, but he's not present to me. No. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. That, the, the idea there is that I'm here. I'm here for you. I'm not, I'm not just here. I'm not just present in some ethereal kind of way. It's not like you, you live a life that's very random, and if you're some lucky duck along the way before you die, you have some kind of epiphany, and then suddenly, boom, there it all is, and it fits, and, and, and you're good. Lucky you, you got it, but I'm still out here waiting. I'm still out here looking. I'm still out here somewhere floating around in this randomness, and all these adversities are coming in my way, and I'm afraid, and, and there's all this stuff that I'm battling, and it's all in my head, and I don't know what to do. And so I'm just going to just, just close myself off and I'm going to go into a place of fear and despair and depression. And I don't believe that's the way God wants us to live. I believe that God wants you to shake all of that off of you and I believe that God wants you to break through all of that stuff and I believe that God wants you to experience this joy. I don't believe that God promises anything that he is not without an expectation that we can receive it. Based on the fact that he knows he can get it. He says, if you will search for me, I will be found by you. God will do his part. But I think there's some things that we can do and should do to help us to move into to that place. Now, if you're one of those people who sees the glass half empty, uh, this might be harder for you than the person who sees it half full. All right? And, and that's just that's a matter of the way we're wired. But let me tell you something. God is sovereign over how you're wired. And God is able to, to move in your life regardless of how you are wired or how circumstances in life rewired you. Matter of fact, God can unwire you and wire you the way he wants you to be. But some of that requires things on our part. 
There are four things that I want to tell you that will rob you of your joy, all right? These are four problem areas uh, that can easily make us slip out of the joy that is in the Lord. And, and actually, if we're not careful, can move us into places like despair and depression and fear and anxiety and those kind of things, all right? These, these are four things that I want you to be aware of. In your daily routine, I just want you to be, just try to be aware of them, all right? So this week, this is your homework. You're going to try to identify these areas where they're messing with you, all right? Where they're getting into your head and getting into your emotions, and they are affecting you in ways that are causing you to either think wrong or, or make Poor decisions, all right? The first one is this, petty annoyances. Petty annoyances in life. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You just, there are little things that just, they just grate on you. They just totally, you know, annoy you. And you don't like them. And they tend to oftentimes be people. Are things people do are things people say are the way people act or react you know and and they they get to you so these we would call people kinds of problems all right now here's a big one really big one all right this is like i'm just going to throw the canvas over everybody right now okay because on some level we're there worry how many times in a given week Are you worrying and fretting over something that is a circumstance that is totally beyond your control? There's absolutely nothing you could do about it, but you will worry about it, all right? The third one is, this is is challenging, especially the way some of us might be wired, that is negative thinking. Now, there's a difference between thinking critically in an area or about something like a project or or even the the life of the church. Sometimes we get together in teams and we think critically about the church, but we don't. It's not that we're being negative towards the church. We're just saying, how can we do better? What can be done to make it better? Those kinds of things. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about just this. this, How many of you? Don't raise your hands. (laughs) How many of you, the phone rings and you just go, oh, or you see, my mom, when there weren't cell phones in her day, when the postman, the mailman would bring the mail in the afternoon, it was about three o'clock almost every day, like clockwork, because it was a very small little town in South Georgia, and he would bring it and he would put it in the mailbox. And he did the strangest thing. Like he would open the mailbox, he would put the mail into the mailbox, he would close the door of the mailbox, and then he would go. And I think he was trying to just alert us that it was there. But my mom was, I mean, like you would have thought she was a puppy that had been trained in some way. Because every afternoon at about 3 o'clock, she started to get a little bit of anxiety. And then, and then she would go, ooh. He goes, I hate that noise. And there was a part of her that was concerned that we were going to get bad news. There were just too many people in our family. She had 11 brothers and sisters, and they all had lots of children too. Uh, so, and someone was always doing something stupid. So she just assumed that there was going to be bad news. And so it would just jolt. But she would worry about all of these things. And she would, she would, she would wake up in the morning um, and, and do a couple of crazy things. And then she would just go into this place of sort of being a bit negative and a, and a bit 
cynical and a bit critical. Now, she could turn that around and be absolutely delightful. She could be the most amazing, positive person. Like if someone else was really hurting, she had such great empathy for them. And it's like she could flip the switch. And I was like, look at that. I don't know that person. I didn't grow up with her, you know, but she's, she was able to do that. Here's, the devil is roaring about seeking whom he may devour. He is crouching at your door, all right? That isn't for the other person. That is for you. You need to understand that. The devil has an assignment against you. His intent is to get into your head. His intent is to cause problems for you, okay? And one of those is to get you to that place where you're cynical and negative about everything. And then there's a fourth one. And I really want you to grab a hold of this and look at this this week, okay? Some of you, probably a lot of things annoy you that you can just let go of. And maybe you're going to learn how to do that over the next week. And I'm praying that God will help you to do that. And, and this stuff of worrying about things that aren't even a, a matter of consequence, we gotta, that's taking so much of your energy. It's just robbing you of so much uh, that, that God can utilize. And so you've got to let that go. And negative thinking, you know, nobody wants to be around a negative Nancy or uh, a negative Ned. I'll, I won't make that gender specific there, all right? Uh, <laughs> there's some on both sides of the, of the river, okay? But you've got to look at that and say, hey, you know, where, where, am I being encouraging? Am I being positive? Am I, am I helping? Am I giving? Am I making a difference? Those kinds of things. But this last one, I think the enemy uses more than all the others put together. And that is guilt. Guilt. And, and, and maybe we can like lay another word up under that and, and, and lay it down on there. And that is shame. Guilt. Shame. The enemy would love to guilt you about all kinds of things in your life. And then he would love to shame you through that guilt, all right? Uh, in the fall, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a class, uh, and we're going to just talk about the effects of shame and guilt in, de- in, in detail, and I, I would love to see everybody in that class uh, because I think this is an area where the enemy just wreaks havoc on God's people, all right? And, and when I say guilt, I'm just talking about a simple awareness of our own failures, you know, just feeling guilty about things, choices we've made or, or things that, that, that we've done. Um, and so we've got petty annoyances, we've got worry, we've got negative thinking, we've got guilt. Let me, let me sort of turn that just a bit. The things in your life that will rob you of joy are bad people, bad things, bad thoughts, and bad deeds. It'll take it out. Well, don't we all have those? I mean, is that not like things that intrude on us? Is that not like stuff that intersects our lives? And so we are battling this all the time. So how do we do that? How can I rejoice in the Lord always? How can I maintain this this rejoicing and and fight this battle of going down the other paths and, and dealing with these other things? Well, I think there are several ways that we do this. And the first one is we react right. All right? In all of life, ask God to help you to begin to react right. Think about how often you've, you sort of encounter these petty annoyances. People or things bug you? Yeah. That stuff happens every day. How, 
how can we keep the people around us from driving us crazy? <laughs> he says, let your forbearing spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Let me help you understand something, folks. And we need to get this in the church, especially because we're in community. We are family together. Regardless of our people problems, we need to develop this sort of sense of moderation and forbearing with people. I'll tell you this. I'll function a lot better, and my wife will too, if we grace each other. If we judge each other and we're critical of one another and we put too high of expectations on one another and we fault fine with one another and, and we, we, we cut away from each other, that's my biggie. You know, when you disengage, you know, and, and, and it feels like you've discounted the other person, all those kinds of things. All, all of that stuff creates gaps, voids, gulfs, if you will, with people. And, and as the body of Christ, we're called to be one. We're called to come together. And that's why Paul uses marriage and Jesus uses marriage to be an example to us, to be the, the word picture, if you will, of our unity as the body of Christ. It's just, just a, it's just a beautiful image of the way it should be. And so the intent is, for, from God's side, is that we're all together, that we are one. But the enemy's intent then, because that is God's intention, is to divide us, to, to pull us apart, if you will. But the key here is that you and I live in an environment and a culture whereas we are forbearing with one another. We are gracious to one another. We are giving and caring to one another. We're helpful to one another. Now, that means that we can speak the truth in love. We can say the right things. We can say the truthful things. But we say them out of a spirit of love, out of a spirit that is caring and is giving. And you say, well, that would be very hard for me to do in this situation or with this person or in this circumstance or whatever. I know it will. That's why, and Paul knew it would. And that's why Paul says the Lord is at hand. We're not asking you to do this on your own and in your own strength. We're asking you to do this in the Lord. We're believing that God, by his Holy Spirit and his power, will be able to help you to make the right choices and make the right decisions as you're interacting with one another. And you know what? If you can get it right in the house, you'll get it right outside the house. And that's where it's going to be a lot more challenging because the world is not saved. It's not sanctified. It's not whole. It's not healed. It's a broken world. And that really is what Paul is all about in the book of Philippians is joy in the midst of a broken world. A place where we live constantly in Him, but it is outside of what we are experiencing around us. And I'm not talking about you getting in a bubble. I'm talking about you being able to relate, so you react right to everyone that you are talking to, that you are encountering, all right? Some say it's just fair-mindedness. It's an attitude um, that, that a man or a woman is charitable towards other people, uh, that, that in, in this place there's this, this beautiful graciousness that happens. It's an ability uh, for, for us to sort of like roll with the punches, you know, and, and go with things and, and be okay. You're not always going to get your way. You're not always going to get the promotion. You're not always going to get the credit. You're not always going to have it fun. It's, there are going to be difficulties. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be... Uh, 
obstacles that are going to get in the way. And yet, these are all opportunities to demonstrate that the Lord is at hand. And I believe that God will give you a way out in every one of these situations, all right? So, what gives us the ability to keep putting up with these things, if you will? It is the Lord. It is that the Lord is nearby. Let me, let me give you a, something to think about, all right? The next time that you are wanting to sin, and I'm not talking about like, okay, the speed limit is 30 and I'm going 32 and I think I'm just going to stay there. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? But I'm talking about there's a temptation and you know that, that the temptation put in front of you is wrong. And yet you feel it pulling at you. Like, like that temptation is like an invisible hand that goes down inside of your very soul and reaches down in there somewhere and starts to pull you up by your heart and says, this is what you've wanted. You wanted this promotion. You wanted this attention. You wanted this money. You wanted this house. You wanted this car. You wanted this relationship. And you know in your heart it's not God's will for you, but it is pulling you, and it is pulling you along. And you know what? You're going with it, even though it is against the current of the Holy Spirit leading you. All right? You want to you go there. You want to be in that place. Let me tell you something. Next time you're in that place and you're thinking, I probably just am going to give in because I know I'm going to give in eventually, so why fight the battle? Why spend, you know, three days wrestling with this thing? I'm just going to make up my mind and I'm going to get it and then I'm going to be happily unhappy. Such a lie. Think about this. All that time you're doing all that stuff, Jesus is right there with you in the Spirit. He is present. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it in a very blunt way, and I'm not indicating that all of you are guilty of this, okay? That's not what I'm saying or any of these things. But somehow cheating in some way in life, knowing no one else is going to ever find out, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to do it. Jesus is there watching that. He's there. Choosing to sleep with someone outside of marriage. If you think for one minute you've done it in secret, forget it. You did it in front of Jesus. He's there. You think about those kind of things, all right? You say, why are you bringing that kind of stuff up? I thought this was going to be a sermon about joy. It is. If you don't do those things, you'll be much more joyful. (laughs) The sermon's about guilt and shame. The enemy would love to trip you up and cause you to sin. Then he can guilt you and shame you down to where you feel as though you don't have relationship with God. And it's very difficult for you then to have relationship with one another. Because you're out of sync. You're out of spirit with one another. And so you and I need to be at this place where we understand that the Lord is at hand and that is prevalent in all of our thinking, all of our decision-making, all of our relational uh, activity. So react right. That's what, that's what Paul is saying. 
The Lord is at hand. Let your reasonableness be evident to all people. The second thing you need to do, okay, that's the first thing, you react right. Second thing is you pray right. You pray right. The Bible says you don't, don't be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, what does it say? Let your heart, uh, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Don't be anxious. Pray. Be in supplication. Let that supplication have an element of thanksgiving about it. And when you're there, make your request to God. And the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. The Bible says, take captive your thoughts. And we preach a lot about, okay, that means I need to take captive my mind. My, my thoughts are, are, are in, in my mind. But the Bible also says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. All right? I don't think you can separate these things totally. You don't box these things up, okay? The heart and the mind work together. They work in tandem with one another, okay? And, and, and Paul gets that here, and he's saying, now, if you can do this, all right, it, then if you're in a, a person who is in a state of prayer and supplication and you, you're thankful, you can make your request to God, you'll experience the peace of God, a, a peace that passes our understanding, he says, and that will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. All right? And so this is where we need to land. We need to be praying people, all right? But we need to pray right, if you will, all right? And I'm going to tell you this. If worry is one of the greatest challenges to a joyful life for you, um, then you really need to grab a hold of this, all right? Because the, the, the word Paul uses... Um, in, in, in some of this, has this, this idea of being pulled in different directions, all right? If you're anxious, you're being pulled in different directions, all right? That would be like if, if, if Aaron came in to my office and said, hey, I don't know what to do. I'm really messed up right now, and I really, I, I'm, I'm not even thinking right, and I, I just don't know what to do, and, and I can't even hear God, and I don't even know where Jesus is, and everything seems so far away, and I, man, I'm just giving up. You know, it's just crazy. Well, what I'm going to see in that is I'm going to see a rope on each arm and a rope on each leg and one around his neck, and, and he's just getting pulled in all these different directions because all of these things are coming at him. When I was in Brazil several years ago, there was a, a, a wonderful lady there. She was just, just really like, she was just big. She was just a big lady. She was big physically, but she, she just had a presence about her that was big, and she had a voice that was big. You know, so when she came in the room, you noticed her, and she, she dressed rather flamboyantly, you know. And she was very native-looking. And, and so she just had a way. When she walked in the room, everybody, just, you knew she was there, you know. But if you didn't, you knew shortly because she opened her mouth. And it was just like, she was just big. She just had a big presence, you know. And, and she was loud. But she was gracious and she was loving and she was accepting and she cared about people. And people would be coming in and they would be going, ah, I don't know what to do. And, and this was her word, calm. And when she said it, it was like something happened. 
I mean, it's like there was an anointing upon this woman, you know. This is a great, big, boisterous lady. She's just calm. And it was like it spoke to you. And folks, I, that's a word picture to just try to help you. But the calm is from the peace of God that passes understanding, which I think is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And that is what's going to make the difference in your life and my life in us having joy. A joy that allows us to relate to one another and love each other. It's that, that kind of peace that comes in in that, all right? Our English word comes from a word, a derivative of that, that actually means to strangle. To strangle. Have you ever been strangled? Anybody? Like when you were a kid, another kid like grab you and choke you or something or, or someone comes. I, I, I still get this at the gym. I don't know why. Guys are st- strange. <laughs> or, you know, you get it at church. Guys are strange there too. You know. Some guy just comes and picks you up and spins you around or something. You know. You know, they come up behind you and grab you. I don't know why. Everyone thinks they have to grab the pastor. It's all right. I'm not complaining. I'm a touchy, huggy kind of person. So it's not a problem. All right. But, but guys come up and grab you, you know, and, and it's like they're trying to prove something. You know, those are not my favorite guys. Okay. Because they squeeze you, you know, and, and you just, you're feeling it. And it's like, I'm about to die, you know, and I'm going, do you realize I'm 62 years old? I can't handle this the way you can. You're 20, you know, and you feel the life like coming out of you, you know, the air is, is going, you know, and, and they're laughing. <laughs> the enemy would love nothing more than to take the life out of you, to just grab you and squeeze you and hold you. And just move life away from you. Spoil your joy. All right. Unless you learn how to pray. Because in prayer is life. I am convinced that there is great life in prayer. A prayer life is life. In Christ. And so prayer is a vital part of the joyful life. All right. God, God please hear me now. Because I'm not on that positive kind of thing. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't go off today on a tangent, folks. I didn't go off crazy here. I, I, this is, I, I'm all about being positive and positivity and, and that kind of stuff. Um, um, there's, there's a couple of books that I've been reading that are just from that camp, and I absolutely love them. And guess what? I found a quote this last week that I love. I'm not going to quote it for you today, but, but I love it. Uh, and it's, it's about being positive. It's a little, little it's a, too long for me to, to do right here. I just want to tell you who the author is. You're going to shoot me, okay? I actually found a quote that I really like from Joel Osteen. I think it's marvelous. It's just great. He made my day. And some of you, you've let the devil tell you, oh, we better stay away from that positivity stuff. That's new age, and that's this, and that's that. And all that. Some of you need a good dose. Some of us need to read the books. All right? I'm not saying walk away from God. I'm just saying understand that this God is quite positive. 
What he's done for us is really huge, all right? And he is really intending on us being a people that love one another and love him and love the world and that we see through the right eyes and it's good and we're holding on to all of that. And it's going to be hard for you to do that if you can't pray right. In one of the readings I did last, last week, there, there was a, a Hebrew writer, and, and, and he was talking about the posture of prayer, not the actual prayer, but the posture of prayer. It's like, how do you go into prayer? And what does that need to feel like? And what needs to be, how, where does your head need to be as you're, as you're going into prayer? Here's the way some of you go into prayer, all right? It's like you just, you think, oh, my God, I can't handle it anymore. And you literally, like, like you're, you're in panic mode. You're in crisis management mode at best, all right? And it's like, oh, God, please, you've got to do this for me. I can't make it. I can't survive. I can't, I can't do anything. I can't function unless you do something. God, you've got to do this. You've got to take care of this. You've got to take care of them. You've got to give me this. You've got to do that. And we're telling God all these things he's got to do because we're in this, this control mode of trying to control our lives that are out of control. And this guy says that the, the, the posture is that you, you don't allow yourself to continue in this state of anxiety. Like you don't go into the prayer with the, and carry the anxiety into it. You begin to approach God believing that the anxiety is being taken off. That it's like the burden or the backpack of the, the weightiness of, the, of all this, as you are approaching God, it's, it's, it's losing its heaviness. It's losing its weight. And suddenly there's this sense in you of being lighter because the burden is being rolled off. And doesn't Jesus say, cast your cares upon me because I care for you? And so... Can we, can we begin to pray right? Not only pray the right words, pray right in that sense, but can we begin to pray right because we're in the posture where we know that there is a, a, a heaviness that is going to leave us as we are approaching God, all right? And, and I, I'm not talking about not being honest with God. I, you need to be honest with God. You need to tell God what's going on. You need to ask God to do things for you. I'm not saying that that all is wrong. I'm just saying, can we approach God in a different way than in crisis management? Can we approach God that, hey, I know you're the answer. And so I'm already going to begin to receive that release from you as I enter into prayer with you. I've got to keep going here. The third thing is that you not only uh, pray right, okay, uh, react right, pray right, but you think right, all right? And this is where we really want to get to, okay? He says, finally, at the end of all of this, Here's where we land, ladies and gentlemen. And, and he's got this, this, this list here, if you, if you will, that is marvelous. He says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, what do you do? Think about these things. In other words, put the right things in your head. Put it in there. 
That is your computer, if you will. Delete all of that other stuff. Reboot yourself. Put these things in there, all right? And then begin to function out of that place. Notice the words he uses. True, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy. Think about these things. The word bad's not in there. The word ugly's not in there. The word deficit is not in there. The word fearful is not in there. The word hopeless is not in there. What is he saying? There's a place to go. There's a place to dwell. And it's up to you. That's, that's where it comes down now. And, and David's going to give you some much more practical things next Sunday in terms of how to strategically live in this place. All right? And that's what Paul, Paul brings it out further here, okay? But, but what I want you to understand today is that he has given us a bit of a pattern here. And so you've got to think right. You've got to let your mind go to the right places. This is what made it possible for Paul to, to, to write about joy when he's in prison. And this, this allows him to, to actually practice what he's preaching. And, and he lets his mind go to that place of where those things are true and honorable and excellent. And in all of these, he, his, his progression isn't just one of him being positive, but he is doing the work of the Lord. He is building churches. He is establishing churches. He is empowering churches. He is, is uh, discipling churches. All right? He's growing churches all along the way. He's doing the, the ministry. He's doing the work of the Lord. But there are adversities and difficulties and things going on that are personal attacks against this man. And in all of that, he's saying, hey, guys, rejoice. Listen to me. I'm saying it again. Rejoice. Do it always. In other words, stay there. Now, on a bad day, that may mean that it's a low-grade joy. All right? But let's not lose it. Let's not get too far from it. No, let's not drift back out into that place where the enemy comes in like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour and taking you out. And so, well, how do we do that? Well, then we live right. All right? We react right. We pray right. We think right. And we live right. And I didn't come up with those on my own, just so you know, all right? I found them somewhere and wrote them down, and I really liked them. And finally, you see, if you wait long enough, you get to use stuff. One of the greatest enemies of peace to our soul is this thing of guilt. Because somewhere along the way, you're going to not react right to somebody. And somewhere along the way, you're going to get robbed of the privilege or the opportunity or the time to pray the way that you need to, to be able to, to be filled with the joy of the Lord. Th- those, those kinds of things are just going to happen. And I'm going to tell you what, thoughts are going to invade you. You all know how much I love to watch the news. I've had to cut it back. I can't give it up. I'm addicted, all right? I admit it. But it's like, this is too much right now. I, I, I can't function in this place and get all, have all of this coming at my mind all the time 
and be able to maintain my joy. I need to refocus myself on Jesus. And you know what? Every time I do that, it's great. It is absolutely great. Your heart can speak to you. It can, it can tell you whether you're right with God or not. But here's the thing. I think that God expects some things of us. I think God expects us to live up to this level of the knowledge that he has given us through his word. Even while we're looking for new revelation. Let me tell you something. I'm going to close here in just a few minutes. If you, if you don't get any more revelation, if you don't get anything else, the rest of your natural life, it's all right. You got enough. It's called the Bible. All right. You don't need anything fresh. That'll be fresh. The mercies of God are new every morning. All right. So you don't need that. So don't if, if you if you chasing somebody to get a new revelation or a new word or a new thing or whatever, just stop. I think God is sufficient and the Lord is at hand. And so his word can speak to you. So if he wants to give you new, fresh revelation, praise the Lord. Share it with us. All right. But if he doesn't, you're OK. Be satisfied. David's going to talk about contentment next week. All right. Be OK with where, where, where you are there. All right. I want you to spend some time trying to live right. And by that, I mean just, just living in the context where you are now and living without sin and living under the grace of God so that you can live and flourish and prosper and have an abundant life. And, 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 and Paul is showing us how we can conquer situations in life and, and especially those things that interfere with our joy. He, he shows us how it is possible for us to have this peace that passes understanding. All right, so... Here's Pastor Bill. A few weeks ago, I started to get really, like, unhappy. And I began to realize what it was. It was like, I don't feel well. Like, like I, have a, I have a pain in my shoulder, you know. And, like, I'm, I'm, in the, I'm in the office by myself, and I'm being pitiful, you know. And this, this pain is bothering me. And David and I have been planning. I mean, we've been planning the remodel of this church for a while now, all right, since December. It's going through our heads. And, you know, in the back of my mind, there's, there's this thing of I want this church to be beautiful. I want it to, to, to flourish in the neighborhood. I want the people in the neighborhood to feel welcome and to come in. I want it to, to look good for all of you. It's your money that's doing it. You know, uh, I, I, want, I want you to enjoy the presence of the Lord there. I want you to feel like you're really connect with God there and all of that kind of stuff. Those have all been very important things for me. But deep down underneath somewhere, there's been this little thing brewing inside of me. And it's this idea that we need a sand volleyball court. That's what's going to make the difference. And so we went and we got someone to dig out the pit and someone to bring sand and they said, yeah, this is good sand. It's golf, golf course grade sand. It's really good. And I said, okay, bring it. And they brought the sand, and it was mud and rocks, and it was really bad. And it's like, if you stepped on there, you could get cut. You know, and I'm like, sand, volleyball? Come on, no. So, you know, I, I, I called, and we, we, we sort of got it sorted out, and so now they're going to go back. And we decided that it wasn't dug deep enough, too, and so we got them to dig it deeper. And all this time, I'm just getting frustrated because I'm like, I want this ready before our first 501 fellowship because we've got to have volleyball. And this is going to be great. And so they take the old sand away, and they, they dig it out more, and they bring the new sand, and it's really great. I'm so excited. I can't wait until Sunday. I mean, it's, we're right down to the timeline. I cannot wait. All this time, 
something's wrong. I'm hurting. Like, I'm in pain. Like, at night, I go numb. During the day, I'm in serious pain. I'm taking 500 milligrams of naproxen twice a day. I'm trying to get through this, you know. And I'm telling myself, you are not an old man. You are not an old man. 62 is the new 52. You are not an old man, you know. And so I'm like, great. So we get out there, and I get the volleyball. It's my serve, and I get ready, and I'm going, oh, man, you know. So I can't really, so I have to do a sissy kind of lob, you know. And, but I get it over the net, but this pain is going up and down my arm, and it's excruciating, and I'm so upset, and I'm like, I can't function right now. Now my back is hurting. Uh, I'm overcompensating. All kinds of things are going on. But I've got this low-grade depression that's going on, it feels like. It's like I'm sad. Why am I sad? Am I sad because I think I'm getting old? I mean, like, I've already dealt with this. This is, shouldn't be a problem. Come on, God, help me. Let's, let's, let's be okay here, you know. Let's go forward. Um, and then I realized that it's just, it's just because I'm, I'm injured, and I don't know why I'm injured, and I don't know what I did. And maybe I am old. And so I start going down this path of thoughts, and these thoughts are, you know what? This is how bad it gets, folks, okay? And don't tell me none of you have st- thought stupid things before, okay? Because I've been in the room with some of you, okay? But I'm like, oh, my goodness, this could be cancer. What if this is cancer? What if they, what if they have to do something to my arm? What if, what if, they, what if I lost my arm? And this, this is how crazy it got. No sooner than I said that, I came around the corner. I'm in high V when I'm doing this, okay? So I'm in high V. I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking they could take my arm off. And I turn the corner, and there's a man with no arm. And I'm looking at him going, God, please don't let this be prophetic. I'm just being totally honest with you about where my head was going. I was starting to think crazy stuff. And I'm like, God, this is crazy. What? Why am I even here in this, in this place mentally, you know? And, and I left the grocery store. And I'm like, I come back to the church, and I'm sitting here, and I, I'm a little teary. And I'm like, God, what is going on? And I get up, and I reach for something, and literally, like, a lost feeling in my arm. So then I'm like, okay, God, if this is you. And I told my wife, I said, I, you know, I should probably go to the doctor. And like, yeah. Should have gone a long time ago, you know. Month, yeah, months ago. And I can't hardly stand it. So I said, okay, God, I'll, I'll do a deal with you. If you really want me to go to the doctor, then I got to get an appointment today. And so then I'm like, but I'm not going to call. I'm just going to get on the Internet and see what, the, what it looks like, you know. I get on the Internet, and I go to my chart and look at my doctor's schedule, and sure enough, there's one appointment a couple of hours later. So in two hours, I'm sitting in the doctor's office, and he gives me this examination, and they do an x-ray, and I'm like, it's going to cost me money. This is ridiculous. He's, uh, he's probably just going to tell me something terrible. I shouldn't even be here. I should go to Brazil and just rest and, 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 and not do anything really heavy and, and just, just be okay and then come back, and, and it'll be all right. And, I mean, God heals anyway, doesn't he? What kind of thought is that? God heals anyway, doesn't he? But you see how your mind can go really down? And so the x-ray comes back and he says, there's nothing wrong with your shoulder. And I go, hallelujah. I go, well, what's wrong then? He goes, you have bursitis. 
I said, that's an old person disease. <laughs> and he goes, no, it's not. Young people get it too. I said, when I was a little boy, I watched Andy Griffin and Mayberry RFD and Aunt B, every time it would rain, would go, oh, my bursitis is acting up. And she was a little old lady with a ball on her head. Don't tell me about young people getting this. I'm old now. That's what it comes down to. It was my worst fear after all, and I realize it now. I'm getting old. And he goes, we can take care of it, a little physical therapy. I said, I'm not doing physical therapy. I don't like that. Is there anything else we can do? And he goes, yeah, I can give you a shot. I said, okay, give me a shot. Not a smart decision. He pulls out a little needle, and I thought, this is a piece of cake. And he goes, he sticks it in my shoulder. And I'm not in a great place, you know, but he sticks it in my shoulder. And it, it feels like, I'm like, I'm losing feeling. And he goes, well, yeah, that's the shot, so I can give you the shot. <laughs> I got to stop, but. <laughs> he's standing next to me, I'm sitting on the table, and he's got this syringe, and he's got it right up here by my face. And honest to goodness, there is a pipe on the end of that <laughs> syringe. There is no needle, it is a pipe. And then he has to pull my arm down, trying to open something up, he said, in there so he can get the pipe in there to give me the cortisone shot to take care of my arm. At the end of all of that, I went home and I, I was like, it's feeling better. I'm going somewhere with this, by the way, okay? It's feeling better. By, by evening, I was like, look at that. I'm playing volleyball on Sundays. <laughs> I, let me throw a disclaimer out there. I can't play volleyball. I, I, I mean, I'm no good at it, but I just like to play. Okay. You know, but I'm, I'm doing all this stuff, and I'm like this, and you know what? I'm happy. I'm happy. Something happened. I don't feel that pain anymore. It's good. Now I'm happy. I was happy for a moment because... In that moment of saying to myself, yeah, I'm happy, I heard a still small voice that speaks to me in impressions. And I'm not saying it was anything mystical, but I heard a voice. And it said, I wish you could have been just happy with me. And that you could trust me that I got you. And suddenly I realized I had lost my joy based on a circumstance. And I was trying to find my happiness through somebody else finding a way to make me feel better. And I had left God out of the equation. Rejoice in the Lord. We've got to stop. Rejoice always. Let's keep it right, okay? Wade, would you join me up here, please? Here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to pray a prayer for you. And I want to re just renounce a couple of things in our lives. And then for the benediction today, it is communion. Here's how we're going to do this today. Wade and I are going to go through the liturgy for the communion with you. And then we're going to step over to the table. 
And we're going to be there for you to come and receive communion. And I want this to be very personal for you. Oftentimes, most of the time, we do it corporately. We do it together. But here's what I'd like to do today. I'd like for you to come to the table and receive your communion. And if you want to go back and sit down and meditate or, and take it, however you want to do it, it's up to you. And then once you have received communion, you're free to go, all right? If you need to go and get your children and bring them in to do that, feel free to do that as well, okay? But we're inviting you to the table today. And in coming to the table, I'm going to pray a prayer to renounce a few things, but in coming to the table, I'm asking you to receive something from the Lord today. And that is the gift of joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And I'm asking you that as you come to the table and you receive the elements of communion representing the blood and the body of Jesus Christ, that you would ask God to fill you with joy and that you would be able to walk away from here today recalibrated. Really a new person in Christ maybe for some of you. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for this, um, this day where I, I believe you're calling us, God, to be a people who can take our minds captive. Certainly the thoughts that come, Lord, we, we need to be able to, to thwart many of them. Help us, God, that we can live out of this passage as Paul is telling us that We need to think on these things that are true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable, excellent and worthy. But not only do we want to think on these things, but God, we want to do that understanding that you are at hand. God, what what we've learned and what we've received and what we've heard from Scripture and from spiritual leaders, we want to practice these things, God. And we want to receive the promise that the God of peace will be with us. So we ask you, Father, for this today. And Father, I just pray for every person in this room today that you will break off the bondage of anxiety. You will break off the the bondage of fear. You will break off the bondages of, of depression. I pray, God, that you would deliver your people from guilt and from shame as we understand the, the amazing gift of Christ and forgiveness. So, Father, we renounce the powers of darkness today in the name of Jesus. And we declare the light of your love upon us. And we say, Father, would you arise in us that the enemy may be scattered? And would you give us, Lord, today a refreshing and a renewal, a new sense of hope. Would you encourage us in the Spirit today? Would you bless us, Father? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Listen for a few moments, please. We are called here by the God of the new covenant, who by the power of the Holy Spirit unites us with Jesus Christ. By the Holy Spirit, God the Father brings revelation and gives guidance. We remember that when we were broken, 
and divided. And as good as dead, the Son of God became one of us. He came to take our place. We know that the Lord Jesus, demonstrating to us the Father's love, gave up his life as a ransom for many. There on the cross, he made atonement for all our sins so that he might heal all and draw all people to himself. In the holy meal of communion, we identify with him, knowing he alone can make us whole. Let us pray. Almighty God, unto whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you who first loved us. Forgive us our sins, that we may approach you with clean hands and a pure heart, and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ Jesus our Lord and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Therefore, with the angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you, saying together, Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. On the same night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, after supper, he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of this. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. In obedience to his command, we prepare our hearts and pray as the Lord Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We come to the Lord's Supper by grace through faith. No one is worthy to identify with Jesus, but he loves us and shows grace upon grace. He calls sinners to repent and to believe in him, to live in genuine holiness, and to join him in his mission. So this meal is for everyone who belongs to Jesus Christ, who believes him and is baptized into his name. You that truly and earnestly repent of your sins and intend to lead a new life, We invite you, draw near with faith, and receive this bread and cup to your comfort and to your encouragement. We also invite you, Holy Spirit, to descend upon this food and this drink, that by your power it may be consecrated as the body and blood of Jesus Christ, that by your spiritual power we might receive grace at this table. Empower us to proclaim the Lord's death until the Messiah 
until the Messiah's return.